This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. As we come to the end of 2023, the issue of trust, or more importantly, our lack of trust in each other and our institutions. In 2024, Mountain State residents will vote for more than 20 different government positions. From sheriff and prosecuting attorneys at the county level, all the way up to governor, U.S. senator, and the presidential race. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The West Virginia Parkways Authority is gearing up for a busy Christmas holiday travel season. Caroline McGregor reports. Officials expect the West Virginia Turnpike will see 1.33 million transactions over the 13-day holiday period. Parkways Authority Executive Director Jeff Miller says forecasted rainy weather and above-average temperatures over Christmas will likely mean more travelers using the turnpike. Given that Christmas Day falls on a Monday, we'll see more travel throughout the weekend. Uh, that may allow more people to get out and get to their destinations over the course of a Saturday and Sunday and then return midweek. So we do expect that there'll be a slight increase over last year's traffic, and we expect that it'll probably be in line with what we experienced in 2017 when Christmas and New Year's Day both fell on a Monday. Miller says turnpike traffic volume is expected to be about the same as 2022 travel figures or slightly higher at just below 1.3 million. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. The West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals voted to designate Tim Armstead as Chief Justice for 2024. Brianna Heaney has the story. Armstead will take over the position currently occupied by Justice Elizabeth Walker on January 1st. He says he wants to address challenges the court faces in child abuse and neglect cases, as well as continue to make it more open to the public. Certainly, I want to continue the, the, the work that Chief Justice Walker has done this year in trying to open up the court and make it more accessible and more transparent. Uh, I think that's been a very important accomplishment, and I want to continue that. The change is part of a yearly rotation of the position between the five justices. Armstead has 10 years left in his current term and last served as Chief Justice in 2020. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. The latest U.S. Census data has both good and bad news for West Virginia. Curtis Tate has more. According to census data released this week, West Virginia has narrowed its population loss of recent years and actually gained residents. The state added about 4,700 residents in the year that ended July 1, 2023, but that was offset by the number of people who died in those 12 months. More than 8,600 people died than were born, leaving the state with a net loss of almost 4,000. That's not good, says Brad Humphreys, an economics professor at West Virginia University. There are a ton of economic implications for that. I mean, we've got a very unhealthy and aging population in the state. Those people place a lot more economic pressure on publicly provided services than young, healthy people. While it is true that the most out-migration took place in higher-tax states such as California and New York, Humphrey says other factors drive people to move, including weather and housing affordability. I don't think there's much evidence supporting the fact that uh, the idea that that state taxes drive migration decisions. 
When you subtract the in-migration, West Virginia had the worst natural change in its population, births minus deaths, than any state but Pennsylvania. The census also shows that West Virginia has lost a total of 23,642 people since 2020, almost the population of Wheeling. You can't outlaw death, right? That's not easily addressable by by any sort of policy. Humphrey says county-level data that will be available in the spring should show where in the state the population loss and growth is occurring. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. The holidays are an important time for everyone to rest and relax. But as Chris Schultz reports, students off from school can still benefit from mental and physical activities. Everyone, even kids, need a break, and the winter holidays provide the perfect respite in the academic year. But experts say just a little bit of activity during the downtime can go a long way to starting the new year off right. Carrie Gabbert is a public health evaluation and training specialist for West Virginia University Extension's Family Nutrition Program. She says daily activity not only has physical benefits for kids, but mental and emotional benefits as well. Kids who meet the daily requirements for physical activity um, have improved memory and concentration. They have a better sleep pattern, and they also um, experience benefits to their mental and emotional health, like reduced anxiety and depression. Gabbard says the daily recommendation for kids aged 6 to 17 is 60 minutes of physical activity. But whereas the advice used to be that activity should be done in increments of at least 10 minutes, she says now, research shows being active for just two or three minutes at a time can contribute to the total 60 minutes. It's a great way for families to spend time together doing something that can be really fun. It doesn't have to be overly structured play. The best ways for family to be active can be something as simple as taking a walk together after dinner or putting some music on and dancing, you know, while you're preparing a meal. Families can use physical activity to strengthen their bond and enjoy their time together during the winter break. Gabbard says another way of looking at integrating active time is to break up those lazy winter days. Try to reduce the amount of time that kids are sedentary. So if they're sitting and playing a video game, or having some other type of screen time, instead of allowing kids to sit and, and not move around for hours at a time, Set a timer for an hour and make sure they get up, move around, maybe walk up and down the stairs or do a few jumping jacks or even just walk a lap around the house. Any kind of movement to break up the sedentary time, that time counts towards that 60-minute recommendation. But it also helps get your blood flowing, clear your mind out, and it, it helps reduce some of the negative impacts that you can get from not being active. Students of all ages can also benefit from staying mentally active during the winter break. Jennifer Robertson Honecker is an associate professor at West Virginia University and the STEM specialist for WVU Extension. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Robertson Honecker was also formerly a high school teacher and says while the academic impact of the winter holiday break isn't as severe as the so-called summer slide, students can still lag come January. When they come back after the break, if they've done nothing with their brains or with their bodies, there's often this like type of lethargy that sort of get them going again. Robertson Honecker says STEM can be made fun, engaging, and age-appropriate through crafts and even everyday activities like baking or cooking. 
think about what you're already doing with your family and how you could turn it into a learning moment. A lot of families love to make those salt dough ornaments. You know, there's a lot of chemistry in that that you can talk about of how it's forming. She encourages families to lean into holiday activities and their messier side. The more fun kids have with an activity, the more likely they are to remember and learn from it. It's really important to do it together as a family. Research shows that when you bring learning like that into the home, it's just so much more meaningful for kids, and it really it sticks with them um, and demonstrates you know, lifelong learning. Learning can be fun and something we, we just do throughout our lifetime. There are many resources online for at-home learning activities, including on the WVU Extension website. But Robertson Honecker says there shouldn't be an objective to get something perfect at the end of it. That low-stakes learning really shows that it can be fun and exciting and something you can do together. And you can turn any activity into a fun STEM uh, thing to do with your kids. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 752. Becoming sunny today, highs in the 40s and 50s. Partly cloudy tonight, lows in the 20s and 30s. Tomorrow, partly sunny with highs in the 50s and 60s. Saturday, partly cloudy with a slight chance of rain, highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by SEGRA, providing fiber-based communication solutions that give businesses the freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. As we come to the end of the year, Us and Them host Trey Kay has been reflecting on 2023 and a theme that's been consistent, trust, or more importantly, our lack of trust in each other and our institutions. In the latest episode, we explore how that reality could shape the year to come and its social and political landscape. Here's an excerpt. In 2024, Mountain State residents will vote for more than 20 different government positions. From sheriff and prosecuting attorneys at the county level, all the way up to governor, U.S. senator, and the presidential race. However, we know from government surveys, trust in government officials is at a historic low. There's a lot at stake and a lot to lose. Ethan Zuckerman is a professor from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He spent years studying trends in civic and public life and has a book out called Mistrust. Why losing faith in institutions provides the tools to transform them. I was teaching at MIT from about 2011 to 2020. And I had a whole slew of students who were interested in trying to change the world for the better. Some of them were interested in reducing bias in AI. Some of them were interested in cryptocurrency. Some of them were interested in community participation. When I tried to figure out what they all had in common, 
almost none of them were interested in government service. Almost none of them were interested in going into existing institutions. And I started to realize that what I was seeing out of these incredibly smart young people was a massive distrust in institutions. And as I started researching it, I realized that it's actually a change over a, quite a long period of time. So there have been polls of American confidence in institutions going back to the 1950s. Confidence in American institutions peaks around 1964. So quite a ways back. And if you asked Americans in 1964, do you trust the government in Washington to do the right thing all or most of the time? That's the formulation. 77% of Americans would say, yes, I trust the government in Washington to do the right thing all or most of the time. Whether you were a Democrat, Republican, whatever. That's right. If you ask that question now, you'll get about 15%, not 50, 1-5%. So fewer than one in five. So that's an enormous change. Now, the interesting thing about this was I assumed that this change was generational. I assumed that this change had something to do with the rise of the internet. I started looking back at the number, and actually this change happens around Watergate. It happens during the Vietnam War. It happens late in the Nixon presidency. America changes fundamentally in the 1970s. Zuckerman says we recover some confidence during Ronald Reagan's presidency. But the last time we see 50% of Americans saying they trust the government is during the George W. Bush administration in the early 2000s. That's an excerpt from the Us and Them end of year episode. You can download it now from any service where you get your podcasts, or you can also hear the episode on Thursday, December 28th at 8 p.m. by tuning into West Virginia Public Broadcasting. There will be an encore broadcast on Saturday, December 30th at 3 p.m. Us and Them is supported by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the CRC Foundation, and the Daywood Foundation. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.